0: So we're starting here this morning in Romans 16, that's where uh, Jim had told me we should start, so that's where we're going. Now, Jim is sick and not feeling well, and he said to let everybody know that he misses you, and I'll repeat this again later for everyone, but he will, he hopes this doesn't last long, but he's probably not going to be here today, of course, because he's he's feeling kind of fluish, but not really running really a fever. So we want to make sure we keep him in our prayers. So Romans 16, I'm going to start by just reading some of the first few verses here. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declaring to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Through him, we have received grace and apostleship. And I'm in chapter one. I apologize for that. I just now realized that. Y'all are like, wow, where is he at? He's just all, he's somewhere else. He has a different book. I have a different chapter, I do apologize for that, and I was like, wow, this sounds like the beginning of the letter. That's because it was the beginning of the letter. Okay, my apologies. Let's try that again. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Syn- Syn- there's, there's. I looked it up, there's like four different pronunciations, and we'll go with Synchria. Anyway, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you, for indeed she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise greet the church that is in their house greet my beloved Epine- Epinetus who is the first fruits of Acash- Achaia 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 there's several <laughs> pronunciations for that too it's Asia it's basically Asia the first fruits of Achaia to Christ greet Mary who labored much for us greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the Apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, my fellow worker in Christ. And Stachus, my beloved. Greet Apellus, approved in Christ. And it doesn't say that here, but uh, there was a translation for that. Approved in Christ means genuine and sincere. I don't know that they mentioned that here. Let's see. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my countryman. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Trophina and Trephosa, who have labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Now, Rufus here, the way this reads, it almost sounds like Rufus could be Paul's brother. And I did some investigation on that. And that's not really the case. He's his brother in Christ. This could be the same Rufus that is mentioned in Mark as the son of Simon, the man who carried Christ's cross. Not 100% sure, but it could be, and that was some things that I saw in investigating that. So, greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogus and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another. With a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. So if we look at some of the comments here, if we stop there and just look at some of this that they are pointing out in this study here, if we look at the commendation of Phoebe in verses one or two, one and two, and you'll notice um, that she is called a servant. And if we look over here under words to ponder, it says this is from the Greek word and it's translated elsewhere as minister or deacon. And it's someone who's serving and helping the congregation, just the same as any of us would be doing, right? So that's just something to note and be aware of. And she's helped many. So, and she's, it sounds like she's been a great help and helped a lot of people, so. So that's what we're noting there about Phoebe. And then if we look at some of the others, if you look at Priscilla and Aquila in verses three through five, I believe it is. Yes. You'll notice that they risked their own necks. Basically, it's like we would say somebody stuck their neck out for you. They, they really stuck their neck out for him in some manner and, and really saved Paul in a bad, in a bad situation. So. And he's saying all the churches of the Gentiles should really be thankful to them for that, because who was the churches of the Gentiles' biggest, I will say, evangelist? Paul, probably, right? He was the one that got everything rolling. He was the guy who was sent to the Gentiles, basically. So, All right, so if we look at some of the other greetings, let's see, um, the Epinetus, He was the first convert from Asia. And then a lot of these where it says greet, where he's saying greet these folks, he's saying welcome them and like salute them, esteem them, and think of them as worthy. And uh, even, who is it that's mentioned? There's even someone where he specifically says they are worthy. And I have lost that. But nonetheless, uh, there is also a mention of the church that is in their house back in verse 5. If we look under the words to ponder, greet the church that is in their house. And as we know, a lot of times, you know, Christianity was just starting out. They did not have buildings and churches to go to. They did not have synagogues established. They were meeting In their homes, that's what they were doing. Also, in some instances, especially, this is to the Romans, we know that in Rome, Christians were being fed to the lions. So, yeah, you kind of kept it a little quiet. You uh, worshiped God in your home. You weren't out establishing some place and saying, yep, this is our church, so that they would know where to come and get you and drag you off to the Colosseum. So that was a fact of life for them. We know that they went through a lot of things like that. Let's see. Um, So it's not uncommon for them to have a congregation that met in someone's home. And then lastly, in this group of greetings, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, if you look here under what they have in the, the study here, it says Christians greeted one another with a holy kiss to signify their warm affection for one another. A holy kiss would not convey the same meaning today that it did in the first century. And in most cultures, it would be seriously misunderstood. But we know back then and even now, some cultures over around Italy and Greece, they might still meet each other by kissing each other on the cheeks, and it's meant as a Family type of love and affection, a sincere "I care about you" and we're close and we're uh, beloved of one another. Maybe your best friends, or you know, any number of things like that. So, whereas now we would do that with a hug, with a handshake. They mention it here, and then some. Some places, like in Asia, bowing was much more appropriate, right? They would bow to each other a lot to signify they were uh, honoring honoring each other. Let's see. So that's the first part of this. And then if we look at our questions for the first part of this chapter, the part we've read so far. um, I'm not going to do number one because that I feel like is the points of the whole chapter. So let's skip that for a moment. But if we look at number two, how does Paul describe Phoebe? She's described as a servant, right? And, helped
1: anyone in need. and many people from the
0: aid that she provided. Many of the Christians there. Right. She helped many. Oh, she's the one. She was mentioned to be received in a worthy manner. That's right. And uh, she helped many people, including Paul and a lot she had she has been a big help the words here uh, were supposed to convey that she had been a big help a huge help to a lot of people including paul and that she should be received in a worthy manner of the saints as you know as a saint herself and being someone who was doing very good works in the kingdom she should be honored in that sense And he also says that she should be assisted in whatever business she has need of without telling us what that business is. I I don't know what that was. So number three, how does Paul describe Priscilla and Aquila? As co-workers, right? Yeah, co-laborers.
2: In Acts chapter eighteen,
0: uh, it talks about him staying with them. They were tent makers, and, and he, he helped them with that business. Right, they were tent makers. That's right. I read about that. They were they were tent makers, and didn't yeah. Paul also got into that, didn't he? Isn't that part of how he made his living? Was yeah, was making tents, which I guess back then that would have been a very profitable business. I mean, everybody would need a tent for their travels and stuff. I suppose. And you
2: know used uh, like a heavy canvas for tents, but back then they used animal skins, and they had to scrape the hides, and then they had to dry them. So it was quite a, a thing.
0: That was quite a bit of work, yeah, because you but have to... we everybody
2: did it, so people would go to them and buy them.
0: Yeah, because you would have to get the animal hides, and you would have to treat them, and tan them, and do whatever you have to do, but scrape them and everything. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, so they... Uh, they may be the very reason that Paul got into tent making too. so and that helped that helped fund his ministry and his travels. So And you notice he says they risked their own necks for him. and the literal translation was, you know, like they stuck their necks out for him at some point. and that's uh, something to, to note about them that they, they watched out for him in a real a real serious way. All right, so question number four, how does he refer to the local churches that were sending greetings? And that's in verse 16.
2: That's where he talks about
0: the holy Kiss. It is, it's right after that. He says, The churches of Christ greet you. That's my translation, right? The word used there for the churches is the same word that's used a lot for the church in the New Testament. And it means the congregation or the assembly of people. You know, the group of people that are gathered together. In this case, it would mean the group of people, the the groups, the body of Christ, the groups of people who are following the Lord in these areas. So... But we translate that word to church, or in this case, churches. All right, so let's look down. Does anyone have anything else on this this part of the chapter before I move? Okay, all right. Let's look down at the next part of the chapter, the last section here, the last half. Now I urge you, brethren... Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, this was dictated to Tertius from Paul, because here the actual guy doing the writing is mentioning this, I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church, greet you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greet you. And Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith, to God alone, no, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Uh, Do you realize that
1: Jim yeah, probably missed today because of this chapter, because of all of these names he had to
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> well, these names, I did not look them all up because I, I really did not have that much time to look them all up. But uh, I really don't worry about it too much, and I just do the best I can. So just bear with me on these pronunciations. It's Some are going to be okay, and some are going to be really bad. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. But yeah, I don't, I don't blame him for skipping out on those those names. Let's see. So, if we look at this, Paul is giving us a final warning. And then we're getting greetings from Paul's companions that are with him there, not people who are the people, the other people who he, he said to greet. They are the people that came with this epistle, with this letter. And they are greeting them there in Rome. He's not in Rome, and he's talking here at the very end, him and Timothy and these other folks. They're with Paul elsewhere, and I don't remember where he was at when he wrote this. So if anyone remembers, you can let me know, but I don't remember. Um, but they were elsewhere, and that that's them sending their greetings as well through this same letter. All right, so... Now we can look at question number one for a minute and what are the main points of this chapter? Yes, Yeah. Uh, this idea of greedy, um, you think, oh, it's just a hello, how you doing, or something like
1: that. And really back then it meant so much. Um, it was a, a question in a way they were inquiring as to someone's well-being, If they're doing well, it was also a greeting of wishing well upon that person, and prosperity, and and peace, we see that so many times in the Bible, the shalom, the peace, and the peace of God be with you, and also the blessings of the Lord be upon you. There's so much more there than when we just say, oh, tell them I said hi, that's not
0: what Paul is just saying. Hey, tell them I said hi, tell him, her. It's more uh, encompassing than that. than just tell everybody, hey, it's not that. Right, <laughs> it's more than just a hello, how you doing type of thing. It's, right. it's a more sincere greeting. And it, it also shows his approval and con- com- commendation of these folks. He is saying that they have met with his approval. He knows them to be good Christian people. He knows them to be good servants, worthy, all these things, genuine, sincere. He, he mentions these things about them being approved in Christ. And in his other writings, he talks about how he's sort of in anguish because he's away from them, and
1: he's concerned for them, and he prays for them because he knows they won't do And he just wants them all to do well and not to be um, in peril against, you know, authorities preventing them from worshiping and following right. Christ.
0: But just all the regular problems of life, whether you're ill or having um, financial issues, all kinds of things. right. And this this greeting was to be a a big welcoming. Um, uh, more than just like we would say hi or hello. It was, uh, I forget the exact words I saw. It was welcoming and... uh, Yeah, welcoming and a salute and to treat them worthy and just to, you know, uh, to help them. Because you'll notice he talks at the first with Phoebe to to help her with whatever needs she may have. So... To do those types of things, so it's uh it's more than just you know our standard our standard greeting. We do mean somebody well, but we don't maybe mean to the depth that, that they meant at this time. Yes,
2: it was brought to my attention that uh, the way these things are read today um, are backwards in the way that we write a letter. The greeting is always the beginning of a letter, but back then they put the greeting at the end. Well, okay. And said, like, dear Joe, blah, blah, blah. It's dear Joe at the end.
0: Well, that's true. And you'll notice, um, I mean, at least in this case, especially, you'll notice that Paul's uh, other folks were saying, sending their greetings, like you say, at the end of the letter. Like Timothy and uh, Tertius and these folks were saying, you know, a greeting at the end. So that seems to be correct for, for this letter for sure. And uh, I hadn't looked at that, and I did not realize that for the other the other letters. Let's see. Um, where was I at? Sorry about that. I've lost track of where I was. So all right, so we were doing com- okay, so the main points of the chapter, like to start off with, we had the the greetings, right? The commendations, the greetings. And then, then we have the warning, right? The warning or warnings, if you want to say, uh, because that could be taken as one major warning or multiples, right? And then, and then there is encouragement to continue, right? To continue in obedience. And then there's a final, or would we say that is the final? That's not really the final. Uh, then there's a final uh, bit of greetings from the other folks. And then at the very end, people, uh, they refer to this as doxology. And here in my Bible, it actually says it's benediction. But basically, it's a final. It's a final, um, what well, is an encouragement to be obedient, but it's also, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, it's a final prayer for them to establish them according to the gospel, too. You know, it's like a final blessing for them or a prayer of blessing for them. That's what I was trying to get at. So... If we look at question number five, so how does Paul describe those who cause division and offenses? avoid them. just completely avoid them. Yes, he tells us to, to completely avoid them, to stay away from people who are divisive and causing division.
2: We see a lot of that in the televangelists today on the TV, where they have smooth words. And <coughs> I never thought about it, but somebody wrote a, uh, a story about Joel Olstein saying that he preaches so much love and everything, he never talks really about the Lord anymore. It's just about what... Um, if you
0: live a good life, you'll get lots of money. You know. Uh, well, now, I don't, I don't listen or, or watch him, so I don't, I can't I, I confirm mean, it. But
2: I just read that.
0: You know, that's that is a possibility. I suppose. I don't know. Um, the The problem is there are people out there, like you said, with smooth words that talk a good game, and they say a lot of things, and a lot of it may sound right, but the is what. But, but send me money, yeah. That's the way some of them are. But send me money, but buy this from me or get this from me. And.
2: I said this before, and I'll say it again, that uh, false doctrine is just like decon uh, rat poisoning. It's probably 99% grain in there, but the 1% is poison. And false doctrine is like that. It could be like they're preaching the word, but there's 1% in there that is false
0: doctrine. Yeah, false doctrine can be a real problem. So, yeah, that can be real poison to, to us as a whole. Because we're talking about... Here we're talking about someone who... He said to serve their own belly, which means really to feel their own appetite or to serve their own appetite. They're they're actually not following Christ. They're just there to make money and get whatever they want. For their own good. In other words. For their own good, yes. So that's the essence of that and there's not much else to say about that except what Eldred was saying we should avoid them and stay away from them. So, question number 6 is the mystery referred to in verse twenty-five still hidden? No. 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 Right. It's not hidden. We know. We all know about Jesus and and the sacrifice He made for us and the the mystery. What used to be a mystery. What was a mystery before Christ? Right. In verse twenty-six, it
2: says made manifest.
0: Right. Right. Now, these verses read, I don't know about y'all, when I read these verses, these verses can be a little tough to understand. You kind of have to slow down and take them a little bit at a time. But yeah, now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations. So we know it's not really a mystery any longer. It's all out there. It's all here in the Bible, really, for us nowadays. Yeah, all the
2: prophecies... Heard of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New, it was a mystery. Right. Until the resurrection,
0: actually. Even when Jesus was talking to people, it was still a mystery. And of course, for people who didn't know he was the Messiah or refused to accept him, it would still all be a mystery, right? So, yeah. Okay, so. Number seven, what is the objective of the gospel according to verse 26? Everything you just said. (laughs) Right, okay, so it's to be known to all the nations, right? It's to be revealed. We're to to reveal the mystery, and the scriptures are supposed to reveal that mystery, right? Okay, so in other words, to uh, explain the gospel to everyone. And then question number eight, if you look in verse 27, he says, to God, and I, I almost misread it, it's to God alone wise. And then he says, be the glory. So they're asking here what should be ascribed or what should be meant or intended by that. Maybe that's well, a better way. Well,
2: give the glory is to teach the gospel.
0: Okay, to give God the glory, to teach the gospel. Okay, right. He's supposed to be glorified in everything we do, right? Um, and I also looked at it as to God when He says to God alone wise, it God is the source of wisdom we're not really wise within ourselves. God is the source of all wisdom. And so he's acknowledging that God is, that he is our source of wisdom. And you can look at some of the the translations, but it's like the wisest or wiser than all others type of thing. But, uh, But basically, I took that as really he was intending that God is our source of wisdom. So That is the answer. Yes, Eileen. I just have a question about the prophecy. In this scripture that says,
1: in 26, the now made manifest by prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, is that proof to people who want to believe that there are still prophecies happening in the world? That there is no more prophecy from God. It's all that
0: fulfilled. Well, he mentions the prophetic scriptures, but these would have been, like like it says, these would have been fulfilled at that time. Now, we do have the only prophetic thing I can think of, and this will vary from person to person because some people don't believe the same, uh the only prophetic things we have now are really more like in Revelation. And some of that's very symbolic, and some will disagree with what I think some of that's more literal. Go ahead. Um, it reminded me of the scripture in
1: 1 Peter 1 and verse 12, this mystery and this plan of salvation, the gospel that was coming, that... In this passage in First Peter, it talks about the angels didn't even know the details. It says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desired to look at. They It wasn't even revealed to them, and they were in heaven. Right. And so, you know, God and His
0: Jesus Jesus. Right. These were these the prophetic scriptures being mentioned here are, in my opinion, the ones that have been fulfilled by the Lord. And that these are not this is not an example of like people can still have a prophecy and predict all kinds of things which we, we hear about and we know people do those types of things. Is that what you're referring to, Eileen? No,
1: Does um prophetic things, or, you know, there's still prophecy being filled today. You know, because um all of the all of the prophecies that were talked about have been fulfilled to Jesus. And then, but people believe that things in the world that are happening today are like that's a um, that's being fulfilled today was talked about in the Bible, or whatever that was. I believe that, but I think those have already been fulfilled. But I was hoping that this is a scripture that I can point
0: to to refute that thought. Is that not well? As far as as far as this scripture goes, it is referring to prophetic scriptures that have been fulfilled. Yeah. Okay. So that's what this is referring to, but. Right, and we're still, we're still. I guess we're still fulfilling certain prophecy because we're not in heaven yet, and the end, the we don't have the new earth and the new Jerusalem and all of that. So that you read about, so we're not all the way to the end. So I can't say that there's no more prophecy being fulfilled, but is it? Prof- it depends on what prophecy they think the is being. The only
1: prophecy left to be fulfilled is the coming of Christ.
0: Right. And we're all going to know when that happens. There's not going to be any doubt. You're not going to wake up and think, well, did that happen? No, everyone's going to know when that happens. So that's going to be blatantly obvious. this time, the
2: book of Revelation had not been written. John had not written the book of Revelation yet when he was writing the book of Romans.
0: Well, right. I... Those scriptures, if that I don't know the timing of those, so that may be absolutely correct, but I, I don't really know the timing of that for sure. Um, it sounds right, but again, like I said, I I would have to look. Um, but if that's the case, Paul definitely would have been wouldn't have been referring to any scriptures from like Revelation for sure. So, but all right. That is the end of our time. We might have actually gone over a little over, but I want to thank you all for your time and participation. and. Uh